Investors. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Bro Cramp in my side, personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool. Hey, bro, how you doing? Fine, taking me back to junior high. Thank you very much. Yeah, in this week's episode, we're joined by senior analyst Bill Mann. He's going to help explain the fuss over SPACs. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. So, bro, what's up? Well, Allison, the first quarter just ended. Yes, we're already 25% through 2021. And I thought we'd take a look and see how this year is shaping up for investors. And so far, it's a pretty good one. Well, depending on what you're investing in. So the quarter ended on March 31st, as it always does for the first quarter. So all the numbers I'm going to provide are as of that date. Things will undoubtedly look a little different by the time you listen to this. But I think the general themes will likely remain. And one of those themes is that all of the major indexes are near or at all-time highs, which is awfully nice, but still, some types of stocks are doing better than others. So the S&P 500 is up 6.5% for the year, and considering that its historical average is about 10% over the course of a whole year, turning almost 7% for the first three months is pretty darn good. Now, the NASDAQ, which has outperformed the S&P 500 every calendar year since 2016, is not doing quite as well. In fact, the NASDAQ was actually up just 1.3% for the year as of March 30th, but then surged on the last day of March, 1.5%, bringing its first quarter performance to almost 3% or so. Um, As we know, the NASDAQ is very tech-heavy, and the technology sector was the second worst-performing sector in the first quarter, returning 2.4%, edging out the 1.8% from consumer staples. The winners so far in 2021 have been industrials at 11.5%, financials up 16%, and the biggest, energy, up almost 31% this year. Uh, So many of these stocks in these uh, sectors that are doing well so far in the year were beaten down and are rebounding, which of course is classic value investing. And indeed, value stocks are up more than 11% so far this year. But the biggest winners are the smallest stocks. The S&P 600 small cap index is up 18.4%, and the Russell microcap index is up 26% so far this year. Uh, International stocks have lagged the S&P 500 so far in 2021, returning around 4.5%, but they closed out 2020 pretty strong. So when you look back at the last trailing 12 months or so, US stocks and international stocks are about neck and neck, which is uh, looking better for international stocks because they've been lagging US stocks for a long time. I'm kind of reluctant to mention this, but I I suppose I have to, and that is Bitcoin is up 100% so far this year. I don't expect to give any updates on Bitcoin too much in the future, but who knows? I mean, you can't really not bring it up if you're going to talk about 2021. So generally, a good year for stock investors, but for bond investors, not so much. So the yield on the 10-year treasury has risen to about 1.7% after ending 2020 at 0.9%. As interest rates rise, prices of existing bonds go down, the depth of which depends on various factors. Just looking at the Vanguard total bond market ETF, it's down 3.6% for the year. That doesn't sound like a lot, but for bonds, that's, that's a pretty significant drop for one quarter. The worst performing bonds are the ones that are long-term. The longer the duration of a bond, the more sensitive it is to movements in interest rates. Long-term bonds are down more than 10% for the year. Again, that's just over the first three months. Investment-grade corporate bonds, so these are ones that are rated above junk status, they're actually down 5% so far this year. In fact, by some measures, this is the worst start of a year for investment-grade corporate since the 1990s. Uh, one of the only types of bonds that are actually doing okay are actually junk bonds. They're actually in the in the green so far this year. 
which is because while they also struggle when rates go up, they're also correlated to the economy. The economy's recovering. So junk bonds are doing pretty well. When the economy doesn't do so well, like a year ago, uh, in last March, they were down 20% in a matter of a few weeks, which is why you should never choose junk bonds for money that you want to keep relatively safe. Um, so there's no reason to believe that intermediate to longer term rates won't keep creeping upward, which means that bonds will continue to struggle. So as we often say here in Motley Fool Answers, any money you want to keep absolutely safe should be kept in cash. Short-term rates, those are mostly dictated by the Federal Reserve, which has indicated that, at least for now, they expect to keep rates low until 2023. The Fed is taking some heat for this, committing to low rates for so long amidst all these concerns of raising uh, of maybe an eventual spike in inflation, which, uh, to be honest, hasn't quite happened yet. Um, but it does seem like they're going to stick with that, at least for now, partially because Besides price stability, the Fed has a mandate to facilitate full employment. And on April 1st, the Department of Labor announced that 719,000 Americans filed for initial unemployment claims. While that's down from the 6.9 million from a year ago, it's still higher than the pre-pandemic record of 695,000, which was set way back in 1982. So really, we still have a lot of Americans filing for unemployment. The economy still has a long way to go before the true jobless rate is back to where it was before the coronavirus crisis. So that, I think, is one of the biggest reasons why the Fed is going to keep rates pretty low. Uh, and finally, if you're like two-thirds of American households, you also own a house, which has also likely gone up in value. And a couple episodes ago, I went into pretty good detail about why house prices keep rising. But I just learned about a new one this weekend from an article in the Wall Street Journal entitled, If You Sell a House These Days, The Buyer Might Be a Pension Fund. And the subhead of this article was, yield-chasing investors are snapping up single-family homes, competing with ordinary Americans and driving up prices. The article quoted John Burns, who's a real estate uh, consultant, and he estimates that roughly one in five houses in some metro markets is being bought by someone who never moves in. So investors, whether it's just a mom and pop investor, a pension fund, an institution, they're moving into the market, competing with the folks who are trying to buy a house. And as John Burns said, quote, that's going to make U.S. housing permanently more expensive. I suppose that's good for people who are looking to cash in on their house in the near future, but it's certainly tough out there for the folks who want to buy a home. And I have to say, I have a lot of sympathy for the young families out there who maybe, you know, they don't have the resources to win a bidding war. So Best of luck to you. I'll just point out that over the next few weeks, I'm going to have to spend thousands of dollars repairing my home. So I hope that's a consolation prize for you. And that, Allison, is what's up. If you're like me, every time you turn around, you're seeing the word SPAC, like some sort of angry duck is stalking you. So what is a SPAC? Aside from an acronym resulting in an abomination of sound. Well, it stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. But what is it? How does it work? Why is everyone from Bill Ackman to Serena Williams cuckoo over them right now? Well, joining us to answer those questions and more is Bill Mann, Senior Analyst here at The Molly Fool. Hey, Bill. It is a terrible sounding word, isn't it? I know. And I was like, well, maybe it could be pronounced like Spock. Spock, you know, like If I yes, wanted exactly. to be taken over the pond, I could be like, well, well done. It's like I'm the opposite. Spock. It's like the opposite of the word murmur, which makes me happy every time I hear it. Every time I hear the word spack. 
<laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> we're talking about smacks. We're, so, we're not talking murmurs. We're not today. talking about so, murmurs. Murmur. Murmurs. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So we're just gonna have to get over this. That it's yeah. That it's. We're gonna be all right. We're gonna be fine. All right. All right. So the quickest definition of a spac is sort of another way to take a company public, but it's so much more than that. So um, according to the Wall Street Journal, so far this year, an average of five new SPACs have been launched each business day, which is bananas. Kind of a lot. Kind of a lot. So we thought, Bill, that we would have you on to kind of talk us through a little bit of the nuts and the bolts of what a SPAC is. I promise I will not say it like that every time. And then uh, just your general sort of thoughts and feelings on how individual investors should approach them or think about them. So- Bill, let's say one morning I wake up and I'm like, I want to create a SPAC. What am I going to do? Basically, a SPAC is it, it, you can almost think of it as a you know it, it, as a promise of an IPO. So you are basically using as the we're going to call it we're going to call it Alice SPAC. Ooh, okay. So Alice SPAC uh, is a Delaware corporation, and you're going to try to raise. And the averages have been somewhere between forty million dollars, which I know you have, to eight hundred million dollars, which means you might want to go talk to some other people too. And so I raise this money and I start kind of like a a shell corporation. That's right. And yeah. in Del again, based in Delaware, Alice yeah. Alice Back. Yeah. And people yeah, Alice Back's based in Delaware. Right? Yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, so I'm pretty sure this is about making me making money. And so um, I they call them also like whenever you see a SPAC, also called a blank check company. Like that's how it's in every article you read about the basics of SPACs. It's going to be SPACs, also called a blank check company. Um, and so why is it also called a blank check? Company? It's such a good definition. Do you remember when you got your first checking account and they give you the checkbook and you have to write in all of the information, write your address and things like that? A SPAC is essentially the same thing. It is it is a bank account that is looking for a company to merge with. Right. So you have raised the money. And so what you have, and it's usually either from one year to two years, a period of time in which you are now, as the sponsor of this of Alice Back, going to go out and you're going to go look for a company to merge with. And when you merge with that company, that company gets the money that you have in the bank account. You as the sponsor of Alice Back get a component of the company itself the new company so you'll get you will get a reward for matching the two and the company will get the money so it's literally it's a way for a company that is not public to raise money and at the same time take over a a ticker essentially it becomes a publicly traded company so then let's say that I've convinced Bro to be one of my investors um, because I've read it's actually um, – there's a lot of really appealing parts of a SPAC for an early investor like Bro. What are some of the the benefits to him of investing in Alice SPAC? Well, so basically, he would be—he would get to be on the side of—he would get to be on the side of the sponsor. First of all, as someone who is coming in very early, we're talking about before the the spac itself goes public. Oh, oh, okay. Right. So the spac itself is whatever assets you are bringing to the table, and you do have to bring something as the sponsor. Um, doesn't have to be a lot, but you do have to. You are in fact taking a little bit of risk. 
Um, Bro comes in and says, sounds pretty good. Alice back. I saw saw what you did with Alice back one. Uh, so this is Alice back two. So I'm, you know, I'm 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 willing to bet that you, as the sponsor of the SPAC, are going to be able to go out to find a company that would like to be public. And I'm gonna be able to benefit that way because I will own I will own shares at a reduced rate. And you're going to be, and we're going to take a couple. Uh, we're going to take a company public, and we're going to end up owning part of that company. But the promise is, is you know, until the point in time in which they've identified the company, all that's you know, all that's being bet upon is on your skill to go out and not only find a company that wants to be public, but to negotiate a good deal. Right. So I, as I, as the investor, I'm not investing in a company. I'm investing in in Allison's ability. To make money with this. That's exactly right. As exactly, once the SPAC goes public, you, that would be let's let's make me just the individual investor out there. I look at Alice SPAC One, which you know turned into this little company called Google. Maybe you've heard of it, or you know, whatever it happens to be. And I say, well, she did a really good job with that one, so I think she's going to do a pretty good job with Alice SPAC Two. So I am going to invest in. What is essentially a bank account that has a promise attached to it, and that promise is that the sponsor is going to go out and find a company to merge with. So I think something I'm a little confused about is the order in which things happen. So I create Alice SPAC, and then I go find investors. Alice SPAC 2, sorry, because I've already proven myself. I create Alice SPAC 2. Um, Bro in, gives me money gives Alice back to money, me essentially trusting me to find a company to acquire. Am I is Alice back to already public or do I acquire the company and then go public? You will then take Alice back to public. So Alice back to will have a a ticker symbol, but Alice back to won't have any operations whatsoever. All that will happen is that money will sit in an interest bearing trust account essentially and it will stay there and you know, be paid interest. You know, you guys remember interest, right? Back before, you know, back 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 when such a thing would happen. But it it, it will in fact make you know be paid interest, and then you as the sponsor will be in the process of going out and looking for a company to invest in. Now, what's really important to note is that the money that's been raised that goes into the trust, you can't touch. Right, that is only there. I know, bummer, right? But like, it is only there for the purpose of being merged into a company that would like to go public. And this is really important because this is actually, to me, a little bit of the risk of what SPACs are. Because you know, a, a SPAC, people think of it as a way to get in on a company before it goes public. People are very excited about IPOs. Well, this is pre-IPO, but it you know, in some ways, when you think about what the SPAC is, it is you know, it's a lot of pressure on you as the sponsor to go and find something. Because you are having to pay out of your own pocket whatever operating expenses that you are, you know, what you are generating. And that's that's where bro would come in, but that's not where I would come in as a you know, as someone who holds shares in the SPAC. You and bro have that risk. But then I have the risk at the end of the day that you are going to go find anything 
right? Like it, let's just say you're at like month 18, month 19, you're starting to feel the pressure and none of the companies that you've, you know, that, that you have been interested in, you know, in merging with, you haven't been able to agree to terms. You might want to be just looking for anything because you, Allison Southwick, as the sponsor of the SPAC, of Ali SPAC 2, would like to get paid. And then, so I, I believe also that there's definitely some outs for investors as well. Like if I don't find a company to invest in, then my investors get their money back. Is that also how this works? Yes. Again, assuming that interest ever existed again, like that money sat in a trust account and it generated some interest. So you would get, and it's, they're usually priced at $10 a share, you would get $10 plus whatever interest back. Or at the end of the day, um, and a number of SPACs that have been around for a while have actually done this, they could put it up to a shareholder vote and the shareholders can, can agree to extend the life of the SPAC. But you can't go more than two years uh, with the original, um, you know, with, with original authorization, you could come back and say, "Well, we've done the best we could. We're going to go a little bit longer." And you know, and and the investors, which would be me and my, you know, as an outside shareholder, could vote. But uh, otherwise, once the SPAC tie term runs out, the money just gets returned. So then there's bro level investor. But then there's also you level investor. Exactly. Can you explain the, the difference between bro as an investor? So bro would be on the side with you as a sponsor. So like we'll take the Bill Ackman spec. It's it's actually his company, um, and then another one called Tontine Holdings. So you you see you, you you'll see uh, PSTH, which is oh my gosh, what is Bill Ackman? Pershing Square. Thank you, Pershing Square. I'm still hung up on taunting as in like, isn't that great? As in when people like put money in and whoever's the last person to die in a war gets all the money. That that's that that's a that's a good pull. That's what it is. Okay. He just he just chose that name. It's not literally one. It's not literally that. But but he is he is hearkening to that to some degree. So you all are bearing you all are bearing the risk. You as the sponsor and Robert as a co-investor are bearing the risk that you won't be able to find anything that you can merge with. That's not my risk as an outside investor. My outs- my risk as an outside investor is that you find something that stinks. Okay. Right. Or that you don't find anything at all, and I get my ten dollars plus a little bit back, and that's you know, and that's and and that's the time value of money. That's not a huge risk. It's just you've been sitting on my money for some time. Okay. So there are over, if I'm correct here, over 400 SPACs right now hunting for companies to take public. That seems like a lot of boats trolling in the same pond. This is really important. Now, every SPAC will tell you what it is that they're looking for. There are SPACs out there that are looking specifically for entertainment companies. There are SPACs out there that are looking for companies in Indonesia. There are SPACs that are looking to merge in with sports-related companies. So they're not all quite trolling in the same waters. But if you think about the math, I mean, there's 400 companies that are looking for other companies to, to merge with. And they're all looking for companies that are somewhere between, call it $250 million in market cap uh, up to $10, $11 billion in market cap. I have a hard time 
I have a hard time believing that there are 400 quality private companies right now. And that's not even with the funnel getting filled up. I mean, more SPACs are going public every single day. I have a really hard time believing that there are that many quality companies out there waiting to go public. Well, let's talk about then the company that I'm going to acquire and go public. Uh, Do you want to name this company as well? We're going to acquire... What's that musical instrument behind you again? Yes, yes, Euphonium Industries. The Eupho- Euphonium Industries. Euphonium so Industries, yes. We are yes. At, SPAC, at Ali SPAC, too, we are focusing on uh, companies in the musical space, brass, right. large Instruments brass. as a service. Instruments as a service. <laughs> Instruments as a service. <laughs> <laughs> I-S? <laughs> we're, we're interested in the I-S space. The I-S space, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's basically I've enjoyed working with you all. I've got <laughs> I think this may be the end. <laughs> Bill, it's been great having you on. Uh so yeah, okay. So we are in the IS space. Yeah. This is very exciting. And yeah. uh Bro and I have identified Sorry, Euphonium Corporation. (laughs) Look, as a sponsor, as a sponsor, you really are going to need to uh, like. You're really going to need to sell it a little bit better. I I know, I do. So yeah, Euphonium. Yeah, I'm not doing a great job here. (laughs) We're buying something. We're buying something. It's the Uber of instruments. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And you're on board. Okay, so okay, so Rick, as of course the CEO of Of Euphonium Industries. What? Sure. Yes. Euphonium Industries. Yeah. Uh, Why does he want to get on board the Alice Back train? Well, remember, you have raised, call it a hundred million dollars. From folks like Bro on the inside, but then also me on the outside. So you get to negotiate with him and you are going to merge. So as we know from our analysis, Euphonium Enterprises is an industry that could use additional capital because it wants to grow. So you go to you you go to Rick and you say, Hey, look, you're gonna be public. And not only that, so you will get the money that we have already raised for you, plus the process of going public through a SPAC is much, much easier for a company than going public through an IPO. It's cheaper in some ways, and you get to disclose – oh, God, I can't believe I mean this is, this is going to murder people in terms of like – you're about to lose all of your listeners. They get to use an S4 filing instead of an S1. And the S1 is this like – is basically – there are all these rules. You can't make any promises. That's that's the IPO document. The S4 document, you can promise whatever you want. So it's almost like document arbitrage, right? Like you get to go public oh, you know, in much different terms than you would if, if Euphonium Industries was simply holding an IPO. And is the S is the whole S four S one distinction because um, the Alice back there isn't really a business there, and so it's exactly you have already gone public under an S one. So they said, okay, we'll talk about the future, and you're like, well, we're a bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from us? <laughs> right. So right. you've done the S one. 
So then the S4 comes along, and the S4 for Euphonium Industries, because the IaaS market is very exciting, you could say, well, we're going to get into Eastern Europe, we're going to China, we're doing all of these things. You can't say any of those things on an S1. Did we make that exciting enough that we didn't lose anybody? Yeah, uh, it's true, right? Yeah, like, no, yeah. yeah, like it's wild, but it's true. Right, and so the whole the whole less scrutiny, less transparency, less disclosure. That's where me as an investor, I'm like, eh, I'm right, not loving great, that so much. Right, great for Rick. Yeah, exactly. And and again, pile onto that the fact that Allison as as the sponsor of Alice Back Two. You have the motivation to go out and find something. And Rick, the company, the CEO of Euphonium Industries, he'd like to get the money and he'd like to get it as cheaply as possible. And he really doesn't want it, you know, and he and he gets to disclose less and better stuff. And Robert loves it because he's not paying for you going out and searching for things. And there's 400 of them doing this at the exact same time. Right. So when people ask the question, are SPACs a bubble? I don't see how you could look right now and say that they that they aren't. Right. There's two there are there are too many of them going out and looking for companies and they all have an incentive to find something. And that incentive is not perfectly aligned with your interest as an investor, as my interest in this game that we're playing. Right. So who does this, when the bubble bursts, who is this the worst for? Because it sounds like Rick can kind of get off pretty cheap, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm kind of losing track of who's what. (laughs) (laughs) Rough story. Rick will be a a publicly traded company. And as we have seen in the past, once you are a publicly traded company, the market will determine whether you're a good business or not. Right. So Rick and euphonium industries will now have to go through a lot more scrutiny than they did as a private company although they get the money that's pretty good you as the sponsor get the money you know and 20% uh, somewhere around 20% of the new business and i become a shareholder of that business the question for me for who gets hurt it's it, it it's interesting because at the end of the day if the spac doesn't find anything i dig, i get my 10 dollars back but because the SPAC has been publicly traded, we can take we, we, we have seen examples where SPACs, before they have decided to merge with something, have gone up to forty and fifty dollars a share. So I'm essentially buying shares of something that's only ten bucks for fifty bucks because I think that the company that they're going to find is so good that I'm willing to take that risk. It's a huge risk. Wow, that is a huge risk. Yeah. 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 Um, well, can you talk to us maybe specifically about some examples here? So do you have maybe an example of a recent SPAC that was really successful and went really well? And you're like, well, that's textbook. That's nice. I think probably the, 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 the textbook case for the one that's gone well has been Virgin Galactic. Virgin Galactic, which the ticker now is Space, was was IPOA, SPCE is the ticker, IPOA, which was Chamath Palahapatiya's first SPAC. And he went out and merged it with with Virgin Galactic, and that's gone quite well. I mean, it, it's it, it's still a company that's it's still a company that doesn't yet have revenues. Obviously, it's 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 uh, commercial and tours tour space space flight, but it was you know you would look at it and you'd say that spec absolutely positively fulfilled the promise that it was you know. 
that it was looking for, right? So um, there's another one that has recently named the company it was going public with. It's called Churchill Capital Corp. 4. I mean, all the SPAC names. I mean, they're all like blah, blah, blah. blah. I think we've gotten the best one yet with Alice SPAC. Alice SPAC's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, Alice SPAC is okay. Churchill Capital Corporation 4 is merging with a company called Lucid Motors, and it went as high as $64 a share. Again, $10 a bank account, $64 a share before the merger, and then it's collapsed to 23 bucks a share. Mm. I don't know if it's going to turn out to be a good merger, but if you think about it, the people who bought at the high are already down 50% plus. And you know, and it's and 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 the merger hasn't been consummated. Nikola Motors was another one that came public through a SPAC, and that company has has essentially collapsed. So I think the you know the main thing to, for people to keep keep in mind is that SPACs themselves, they're not illegal, they're not immoral, they're not fattening. It's another way for a company to go public, but there are some real things that. I think the excitement over SPACs has kind of overlooked a little bit in terms of what the risks are. Because at the end of the day, the SPAC isn't going to do any better than the company it ends up buying is going to do. Right. Does Bro as the sponsor have to be – did I already ask you if anyone in this scenario has to be qualified or accredited? I assume Most, that yes, pretty much everyone yes, they does. would okay. need to be they would need to be of an institutional level in order to be able to 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 do so. But then you, as the investor in the scenario, buying shares, we're just buying the shares off <clears throat> of the NYSE or someplace yeah. else, or yeah. yeah. So there's Churchill okay. Capital, which we just talked about before, is ticker CCIV. I mean, I could here. I'll buy some right now. Hold on. <laughs> do it live. Done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When's this running? Let me make sure that I don't end up having right. Just fall kidding, afoul folks. of our foolish trade trading yeah, balance. No, I could. You, it, it would take you two seconds to do it. Yeah. And so I think ultimately a lot of people are excited about SPACs because they feel like they're getting into companies pre-IPO. You just don't happen to know what the company is because everybody gets excited. They all want to know how do I get that IPO pop? Right. I see it. So I know somebody's getting it. Why not me? But one of the reasons that SPACs exist is that the IPO pop isn't that great for the company. You know, so there's this interesting tension. SPACs exist because because companies themselves don't love that pop because that money goes to people who aren't the business. But investors are interested because they do want the pop. They're I mean it's 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 an exact conflict with each other. So it's it's just another way for companies to go public. And so if I sound somewhat withering about I about SPACs or SPACs, I'm not. I just you just need to keep the, you know put them in the bucket in which they need to remain, which is it's a way for companies to go public. Which I think is what I said at the very top of this interview. We kind of went full circle there. We did. Every we article, did. it's just a way for companies to go. <laughs> That's all it is, folks. Yeah, um, but it's important to go through all that other process, you know, for for people to see exactly what it is, because I think people, because I think people really, really do. They get people, and understandably so. We love the shiny new thing. We love hearing about and dreaming about instantly having our stocks go up 200%, which 
has happened with IPO pops. But SPACs exist because IPO pops exist, quite frankly. Right. They are it it is it is a response to that. And it's a way to make that less of an issue. And so it's not it's not going to be your path to instant riches that a lot of people think it is. And that's that I think is the most important thing for people to keep in mind about SPACs. I would say one thing too, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but with an IPO, it's always about the company. Now there are some Wall Street Bank that helps a company be- go public, but you never really learn anything about that bank. You don't even really care about that bank. Yeah. But with the SPAC, it starts with the person. It's in this case, it starts with Allison. Uh, and whatever. <clears throat> what, what doesn't start with Allison? Well, that's true. Frankly, that's true. Frankly, yeah, the alpha and the omega. Uh, <laughs> but it's almost like you're you're investing in the person who is in charge of the SPAC first. And then trusting that whatever company or merger they do, that will pay off. I love that point, and it's exactly right. Like you need to be, you need to be aware of the sponsor's track record. And a lot of the sponsors of SPACs right now don't have really great track records for anyone other than themselves. Their own track record. You hear all the time, XYZ billionaire is taking, you know, is is, is launching a SPAC. Well, that XYZ billionaire isn't necessarily a billionaire because he's made a bunch of other people's billionaires too, right? So, it's one of the reasons why we at the Motley Fool have been interested in SPACs because there are good sponsors, but you need to look for one that not only has a good track record in identifying companies and has a good a good track record of making money for shareholders, but I think you also need some evidence of a sponsor who's willing to make the hard decision. In this case, the hard decision is allowing yourself to not find anything like the i think the hardest decision of all if you can find those sponsors you have evidence at least of someone who is who is not just going to go out and push anything upon the public market because they have to it's a it's a really good point robert i mean and you're right the single most important thing is in in alice back to is allison which is just how I like it. <laughs> Want to see my pitch like, this, deck? This is remarkable. my favorite conversation ever. <laughs> I think we're all bullish on Allison. I let's be honest. That's right. And it's all of the enterprises and all of the little pies that I have my little fingers in. Something bull oriented is going on. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, last question, just for fun. We'll let all of you answer it. I didn't warn you that this was going to come, so it might be hard. Let's say you are a sponsor of your own SPAC. What company would you like to take public? Oh, gosh, that's so great. Bro and Rick, ponder too. I have an answer. Bill's got an answer. All right. He, he bought you some time. Go for it, Bill. I want, I, I, I want to bring Ikea public. Oh, okay. I want to bring Ikea public. I was just there this weekend, yeah. Thank you. Did you get the yeah. meatballs? <laughs> no, I did not. Normally I do. I was then with you my didn't veg- really go to Ikea. <laughs> I was with my vegetarian daughter, so what can I say? 
They have veggie meatballs now too. Oh, yes. do they? Oh, yes. shoot. yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible. You don't want them. <laughs> yeah. But your daughter can eat them while you eat the real thing. Okay. Sure. If Bill can do IKEA, then I can do Lego, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. We don't talk enough about how Lego ought to be public. <laughs> Let's start. Let's be the change we want to see in the world, Bill. That's right. <laughs> I think it's there. There is a liability with foot injuries. Though. Oh, there's insurance for that. That's true. That's true. You know what? Robert's Robert's answer should be Lego's insurance company. That's what I There you go. <laughs> Actually, now mine's kind of boring, but and I don't even know how how national it is, but there is a restaurant here in Northern Virginia called Cava. Um, that is a Mediter- Mediterranean type of food that my wife and I love. It's it's not public yet, but we hope at one point because we would certainly be uh, consider investing in it. So good. A kind of a Chipotle style process when you go yep. in and they've done, yeah, beautiful. Yep. Now I'm yep. hungry. Yeah. Right. Let's go build something and, and then we'll build it. We'll we'll be ready to have a little something to eat too. All right. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us and explaining SPACs. All I am walking away with is knowing is that it's just another way to go public. So treat it as such. That's exactly it. I can't wait for Ali Spack. It's going to be good. <laughs> Ali Spack one and two. <laughs> and Euphonomania. <laughs> the IS. Followed, followed by Murmur.com. Murmur. All right. I should probably do a quick disclosure here. As always, The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against the fake and real stocks we talked about here today. Don't buy and sell things. Based on what you heard on the show. Don't take any of our advice. None of our advice. You can go buy some Ikea meatballs. All right. Well, that's the show. It's edited instrumentally by Rick Engdahl. Our email is answersatfool.com. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Bye.